Welcome to the Practice Podcast, conversations probing the nature of practice. I'm your host, Dave Firon. Well, in my search for all manner of practitioner, one right now who you will be hearing me talk with is, I think, of the next kind in his field, a combination of software engineering, music, storytelling, merging music with our emotions and our actions and our emotions is fascinating. And he does this as chief technology officer of a new company called Weave, W-E-A-V. And you'll hear us at the end talk about where the E is. (laughs) With the excitement of this conversation still in mind, I want you to now hear about our practitioner extraordinaire, Manny Singh. Folks, I'm, I'm out exploring again uh, in uh, the cyber world uh, to uh, connect with people who are fascinating and who also are producing practices that in this instance with Mansi Singh, Mani Singh, I'll edit that, uh, is beyond fascinating. He is chief technical officer of a relatively new and breaking through company called Weave. In this conversation, I think you're going to learn an awful lot about the future, at least the technology of that's leading to change in our experience of music. And I certainly look forward to that. So, um, Ma Siran Singh, welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's pretty exciting. <laughs> What, what what do you think I was rambling about there a moment ago about how you know you are working on the future and your practice in music is quite different than I suspect almost anyone I know and I know a lot of people in music. Yeah, so I think I think uh, although our company is focused on music, the the core of our company is really building creator tools and new music technology to allow people to express themselves in new ways. And what we do here is we've created a new format for music that takes like a linear song, you know, a song that you play on Spotify mm-hmm. and can turn it into a, uh, an adaptive track and an, and an interactive experience. So you can adapt in real time using our technology um, to, to the experience that you're, to, that you're in, whether that's like a video game or... Um, some sort of additional interactive experience, or even if it's like, you know, your workout or like a soundtrack to your life, which gets really exciting because the sort of like the last 150 years of the the, the innovation in the recorded music space has been focused a lot on capturing the best recording and delivering the best recording. Yes. And as we go more digital, we can start to think of music as a, non-linear thing and instead a instead start writing um, almost recipes for how the composition should be performed when it is being heard so this allows for a new interactive media experience uh, which we call weave Um, it's a package of our creator tools our integration into video games um, launching interactive 
um, music NFT collections and by tokenizing um, the music so that the rewards mechanism and the composition can be on on the chain and really hope to kickstart a new creator economy. I am breathless. <laughs> and it's not just because I'm almost 80. I, I just hearing what you just said, Manny, uh, is, is is totally exciting, in part because the language that you're speaking with is definitely the language of, that you use in your in relationships. But it's also I, I predict uh, using terms and its result in ways that most people someday very soon will be incorporating into their um, lexicon. Uh, as a person says, I have here creative tools and then goes on to explain them. I've got to leap way back to the first glimmer of your interest in this work of all the things you've done in your career. Can you remember when one day you were a nice, normal, <laughs> Manny, and the next day you were your head was in the potential of this particular innovation. Yeah, so it's actually quite interesting. So um, I studied uh, Indian classical music when I was younger, mm -hmm. and um, I didn't really think much of it. But I think uh, now it kind of just happens to be one of the pieces of the puzzle that fits really well, and um, you know gives me that like understanding of what music can do for people and how um, it impacts us. Um, and at the same time, I'm an engineer, I trade a software engineer, mm -hmm. I like building things and creating things. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say I'm a creative musician and that's where, but I do have, I think ideas and I have this underlying urge that I think as tools should be good so that the learning curve required to express oneself should be very, very small. Um, and what that really means is that like a lot of people have insane imagination and they can think of all these things, but a lot of the time they're restricted by, you know, you have to go learn how to paint before you can paint, but you have the idea of the painting way before that. Um, yeah. So if we can make the tools better, we can make our creative output um, greater and far more interesting. Oh, and that's where that. the urge to build creator tools comes from. Oh, I, I love that. I love that whole notion. Uh, almost everything that I'm still trying to do uh, that requires my uh, abilities to expand into the digital space uh, is like learning how to uh, put on and tie my shoes for the first time. And, and, uh, and yet I have help who trying to make it easy for me. And I'm just projecting out now to the millions of people who are creative. And most of us are more than we know. And we've kind of put the stopper in it. We, we've been discouraged because we just can't seem to climb that curve. And your, your vision as I'm hearing it is, is to help us do that. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, and the other point I want to make, though, is uh, this wonderful connection that you've made between the study and the experiencing of Indian classical Indian music, and how that's uh, married with your uh, technical abilities. Uh, let's talk about the technical side. When did you know that that was your forte? Uh, before you went to university, further back, or uh, as you were there, did you discover it being a technical? So I've always enjoyed building things mm -hmm. and 
trying to figure out how and why things work the way they do. Um, I, I have this joke that like I am interested in um, anything that plugs into your wall, whether that's your you know fridge or your washing machine or <laughs> uh, your toaster or whatever. And those things are getting smarter and smarter. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I'm by no means like a hardware person. Um, I I don't I don't have expertise in hardware. Software just makes it easy for me to express like what I want to build. Like I can think of an idea uh, and and create it myself. And that you know that sort of that 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 sort of like creative power is the kind of thing that we hope to deliver with our music tools mm. to people who want to express themselves. And that to me is really exciting. Mm. Yeah, I, I can um, I can see that. Uh... First, you, you must have really made your parents nervous as you, as they saw you heading to the next thing that was plugged in. You know, what's what's money? Money's going to open this up and find out why the refrigerator goes per. Oh yeah, I was very good at opening things, not very good at putting them back together. So yeah. there's lots of stories. So, uh, and I would say in some ways, uh, what a little I know about software engineering is that uh, trial and error is a very big part of it. There are an awful lot of things I suspected as you were beginning to write code for some, for perhaps some of the simplest things you wanted to build that you had to uh, rebuild and rebuild until it worked. Is that true? Yeah. So one of the first projects um, I launched a long time ago is it was like a it was a website that was like an online time capsule mm -hmm. um and um you know i didn't know much at the time um on how i might go about building it but there's there's like we live in an age where there's like all these resources available online um but sometimes it's really hard to navigate those resources mm -hmm. um but i think if you if you like there's two ways to learn there's what there's a way to learn which is that you go learn a skill um, by itself, and then you try to apply it, um, which I find quite boring. Um, I think I think there's I think there's a place for that. I prefer to learn with like um, references and reference manuals. So you try to build something, and then when you get stuck, you try to figure out where you're stuck. Yeah, um, and that way you have this ongoing motivation um, to not not give up and and uh, keeps you chugging along. Mm -hmm. And how did that build work out, uh, that first uh, entry into the web? <laughs> um, <laughs> as uh, It didn't really go anywhere. Um, Your investors are asking me to ask you that. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Right. right. I mean, I mean, looking back, um, so this was like 15 years ago. So looking back, I, I, you know, I think one of the boldest things that I did at the time was reach out to a ton of people that I didn't know. Mm -hmm. um, randomly um like cold emails and saying hey look i built this really cool thing you should totally use it and uh i and you know right and but now i look back and i go hey like this is how i would improve it and surely there were all these holes but it did lead to interesting opportunities so i met a couple of people um who were in the media space at the time who were um, doing film production who were excited about the idea um but um but instead i helped them build out you know their projects instead mm -hmm. and that's kind of how i grew into the space and yeah. uh and actually my my and, and then and then we turned into creating value and creating useful projects so i did yeah. a, 
so in like 2015, I was working on a project called uh, Refugee Aid App, um, which is called RefAid for short. And it's uh, one of the largest global aid syndicate apps in the world right now. Um, wow. And it was recently featured in um, in a museum in New York as part, part of Design for Peace. Um, Wonderful. Wonderful. And that was, that was quite, it was quite rewarding, actually. Because I think, because I think at the time in in 2015 when the refugee crisis started, a lot of a lot of people had this impression in the West that refugees don't have resources or access, um, that they don't have mobile phones or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you dig deeper, you realize that they're they are connected. Um, they have phones and they are on WhatsApp and they use apps and they just need a little help to stabilize. Cool. Close the gaps and stabilize. Yeah. And yeah. that's a wonderful alternative view of anyone who's a refugee. And uh, I wish we had a lot more awareness of that, that uh, were it not for our well-being here, uh, we would be in that boat and then we would need resources and we would perhaps have our phone, but we wouldn't know necessarily who to call. And so yeah. that that notion of being sort of afloat, and <laughs> but barely, and then finding ways on their own, uh, by their own efforts, because you place the resources at hand, is similar to what you said before. If uh, give me the reference manual, <laughs> yeah, you know they're struggling to solve some huge problems. Give me the reference manual. Yeah, and and we discovered that actually um, a lot of the um, aid delivery at the time was being um, slowed down by the fact that there was no consolidated like database or structure. Um, like a global, a large NGO didn't necessarily know exactly what resources were available in which local area. Mm-hmm. And we were able to bring on tons of NGOs and charities and consolidated all, consolidated all the resources in a single app. So, mm-hmm. there, so that at a time when you needed aid, you would open the app and it will show you what was around you in like a 50 mile radius, whether that's you need legal aid, you need, you know, um, like female sanitary products for free or you need food or you need child protective services. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, and I think, I think that, that, that was like a very rewarding project to work on. How did you handle the languages? Because I'm sure that there are literally hundreds of languages and yeah. cultures that are represented by refugees in any part of the world. Uh, they bring their own language, but yeah, then these services you're talking about may not be bilingual or multilingual. Yeah. So um, in the app itself, um, we had um, trans- translations. So we hired translators to translate every hosting um, wow. in the app. Um, wow. And I think it currently has around 10 languages or so. Mm. Um, and uh, so that that's how it kind of kind of grew. That was a lot of people. Now you you worked on that. Uh, you're you're not working on it directly now. Uh, when uh, when you reached the what perhaps you thought was the zenith of your um, creativity in that re- wonderful venture, what brought you into uh, weave? Yeah. So I I think in my in my in in the in that project in the past project uh, I kind of peaked at you know, building the app and the infrastructure. And then the, the weight was on to acquire more partners and get more data in. Yeah. Um, and that's when, you know, 
it, it, there were other people who were far more skilled at that than me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's when, that's when I moved on to Weave. And Weave was an interesting project. So it, it was uh, co-founded by um, Lars Rasmussen, who was also the co-founder uh, and co-creator of Google Maps. Um, mm. and his now wife. And um, it stemmed from the idea that um, like when you listen to a song, um, just sometimes what if you could nudge it to be in sync with whatever activity you were doing? Um, <laughs> yeah. And and it kind of grew from that. So we spent a bunch of time in, uh, in, in the fitness space early on, in the digital fitness space, where we would synchronize the music to the intensity of your workout and the, the cadence of your running or the cadence of the cycling so that every time your foot hit the ground while you were running, the beat would land um, on, on your foot, which is really interesting, interesting, like psychological thing um, because yeah. humans are naturally rhythmic um, beings and they're bipedal and they run in this like one, two, one, two kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And a lot of, or if not most of the music that's produced is, um, you know, in the four, four, um, pattern. So like a March, for example. Yeah. And, and, and turns out that, that, that synchronizing music to your running or your cycling, um, helps you, um, get in flow, um, sooner, um, and which helps you work out longer, makes you feel, uh, makes you have more fun, feel um, you know less uh, fatigue. Um, although you're still working out the same, mm-hmm. um, but it's just being in that zone really pushes you forward. And then we developed some technology around adaptive audio workouts because um, we were interested in the idea that this 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 comes from the notion that like personal belief that um, augmented reality, uh, the current industry focus is on like visual augmented reality. Yes. And I think audio has a lot of power where it can be non-intrusive and still augment the world around you. So you put on your headphones and you can have, you know, a secondary world. And so we created uh, these like audio guided workouts that would adapt to your performance in real time mm. um, as you were working out. Um, and we partnered with a, um, a running coach, um, Kelly Roberts. She's awesome. Uh, she became the voice of our running app. Mm-hmm. And then, and then we, we wanted to go broader into um, musical experiences and t- generalizing um, adaptive music for essentially interactive experiences because we believe that interactive experiences deserve interactive music. And so since the beginning of this year, we've been expanding and iterating on our tech and um, expanding into the broader um, gaming metaverse uh, and the interactive um, experience market. Wow. Now I am looking out (laughs) over your shoulder at uh, the direction your mind and talent and your colleagues uh, together, your team is focused. And I'm thinking, that is looking out across the ocean. That's that's huge. Um, and maybe they're in the Contiki raft. <laughs> I don't know. But the fact is that you're you're truly, in my mind, is your new acquaintance, an explorer, your team of explorers, and you're looking at, at this tremendous range of possibilities for interactive music. 
Now, granted, you're going to bring it down very quickly to practical points, like you did with the the fitness. But uh, the potential is vast. As as far as you know, is there any other any other rafts out there with you in this in this new venture, or are you pretty much the uh, yeah? There's a there's a few projects. Um, there's a few projects out here um, doing similar things, but in slightly different um, sort of manner. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the focus is um, in the other projects is on AI generative music, oh, and I yeah. think part of the reason part of the reason is that um, music licensing is pretty restrictive. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's very hard to take a song um, that's um, from a record label and 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 you know use it for an experience um, that you want. Um, we hope to make that a little bit more straightforward. Mm-hmm. Um, I think um, Microsoft and, or, or actually Activision recently filed a patent for um, AI generated music that would respond to in-game events where they would actually generate new music uh, and new musical structure based on what's happening in your gameplay. Mm-hmm. But our core belief is that um, generative tools have a place um, on the creator side um, more than the experience side. And by that, I mean, is that generative tools should help creator bring their vision um, to life quicker and in more elaborate ways than mm-hmm. necessarily replacing the full full experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and so our focus is taking songs that you love and you know that um, creators, whether that's humans or, human, uh, or AI-assisted creators, have created and that you listen to on the radio, or maybe you're familiar with, and and turning those into interactive and adaptive tracks. Um, so our technology allows you to take a song, um, break it, and we break it down into stems, which are like the Lego building blocks of a song, mm-hmm. and 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 we pair them with alternative mixes and alternative stems, and then our engine can use this as the source material and the source content to adapt the song in real time to external events, whether that's your character going underwater or flying in a game or responding to health events in games or your car speeding up or slowing down. Um, But the familiarity of the music is where we think a lot of the excitement lies. Yeah, Um, I I feel that already. I I can begin to imagine how much uh, richer... Uh, using familiar songs would be um, because they're your history. You're familiar because you've lived at moments when those songs came into your life. And now if I can bring a song back from my day, <laughs> let's say the Kingston Trio singing uh, one of their songs and, and and tie it into how I'm feeling and what I'm doing um, much differently than just playing their record again. And I use the word record. I think, you know, that tells you where my generation life yeah. is. <laughs> uh, now, your, your connection, you're not working alone. Uh, very few of any sort of practitioners that I can think of who even may think of themselves as working alone and should get credit for their particular efforts and what they do has to be in a context that's a social context in particular that's very supportive 
Um, and I'm guessing from your willingness to step out and try these new things that you're in a really good social uh, team experience as well as uh, have the toolkits, the computers and other th servers and other things that you need. Is that so? Am I yeah, I mean, we have a um, you know super exciting team um, of combining both software engineers and pr music producers and and audio engineers mm. and uh, and and actually, a lot of our team has been around uh, with us for um, over five years. Um, that's a long and time in your in your industry <laughs> you know it is that, yeah, <laughs> that's great. So you really got and, some deep relationships that you've grown there then. Yes. Uh, yeah. And, 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 and we've also gone through turning into a fully remote company together. Like we used to be in one office and now we're like fully remote distributed over, I don't know, five different time zones, which is an, an interesting evolution in our, in our company right now. We have, we have a um, Grammy nominated producer on our team, Matt Ward. He's awesome. He, he helps us kind of like i can't i can't produce music but i can kind of be like hey what if we tried this and uh, and then he will come up with this magical thing that then our engineers will try to get our engine to perform and our music engine to behave that way and we have this like constant back and forth of what does a human want to do in specific scenarios and how should the machine behave and i think this this collaboration is pretty unique in my opinion that is that's what a relief uh, to have an idea and and ask a what if question and have a, someone who you know and knows you well say let's let me work on it I'll, I'll get back to you and then boom they show you what you're you were asking and it's like a, wow <laughs> that's amazing so that that is a wow team isn't it yeah, and sometimes you discover things like a lot. Like I, I think about music, and, and a lot of a lot of um, intricate details of music um, that you might not notice in isolation help craft like the full experience. Um, and 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 you just need like a lot of experience in that particular skill and that particular niche to be able to I don't know even even recreate it. And so having these like really experienced producers on our team has helped us understand music as both like a, as an art form itself and how we can augment their skills with, with technology mm -hmm. and help create this like new medium. I, um, I, I hear the word engine. I suspect uh, that's the, the, the big, uh, big <laughs> aspect, but what would an individual um, be looking forward to uh, holding or in some way having that interact experience as a person? Is it going to be something on their yeah. head, head uh, something that you inject into our arms? How's that going to, how are we going to be someday and hopefully not very long from now uh, being, uh, inter being one with our music? <laughs> yeah. So when we, when we say engine, it's uh, it's a music engine. It's uh, it's almost a um, AI performer um, mm -hmm. that has been given a recipe, which is a song and and some tools to kind of perform mm -hmm. and over time we hope that this performer will get smarter and better and be able to adapt to the environment better but we obviously have to you know turn it into a um straightforward business case um, because yeah. we are a startup and 
and and and and and we're creating um, a whole adaptive music distribution uh, network for video games and interactive experiences. Mm-hmm. So you would embed, or as a game developer, you embed our music engine into your video game, okay. and it opens up our our whole library, um, all of our effects and presets and adaptive music capabilities, and then instead of a game developer producing a specific soundtrack with hooks and triggers, you now write a recipe for how any song should should perform. So this way the consumer gets a choice of like the music they want to listen to and the developer still retains the freedom to like really create an immersive experience. And we think it's exciting for two reasons. One, it brings, um, it opens up like an alternative revenue stream for music artists. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't take away from existing streaming revenue or performances. And secondly, it gives the games to de- game developers um, ability to focus on the storytelling aspect yeah. um, instead of the, like the sound production aspect. Um, and also it takes away like repetitive, you know, game music. So like if you're playing a video game for the 10th time, you can now have different music and it's and have a different experience. Oh, um, really? It, it can it would switch up the music so the tenth time you go out to the dungeon or the castle or whatever in the game, it's different music. Yeah. So, so the music library um, evolves, right? So um, mm-hmm. the the user the user can pick a music or the game developer can change out the music without necessarily have to um, change. Um, the programming of right. the experience. So because they've written out these recipes, they've written out the hooks and the triggers. Um, and that is, and, and that like, and so, and, and it's, it's really useful for independent um, indie game developers or smaller game studios who might not have the budgets to compose a specific soundtrack, um, but they have excellent engineers who can, you know, embed our technology and write um, how they want the song to behave. And they can say things like um, they can, they can uh, give us environmental cues um, or they can um, give us player statistics in real time. And by, by us, I mean the music engine and uh, write out instructions on how the music should evolve. And then uh, using our content library, um, you can play different content every time and it will be adaptive um, to the yes. experience. I'm I am by nature a storyteller, um, and I'm listening to this now, and I'm thinking, you know, when I would tell a story to my kids, I would produce the sound effects in order to give them a a little more sense of what was going on in my imagination, and therefore the story I was making up. Now I hear a storyteller of today, as she is thinking out her story and uh pictures it holistically which we do when we're imagining a story we can also imagine and write a recipe for the music in a very different way so that it much more comports to the story that we want to be told is that is that a fair analysis not even yeah. analysis <laughs> yeah that's yeah that's a that's a very very good way of explaining it um the interesting thing about audio and music is that um, even in films, when the music is right, it really creates the environment. And you only mm-hmm. tend to notice the music normally 
when something goes wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's this interesting thing that happens in the background um, that like creates the full picture um, and makes the experience more immersive, but um, it's, it's hard to construct. And sometimes maybe it's not valued as much as it should. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of the focus is usually on like visual aspects of storytelling, whether that's films or video games. Yeah. Um, but, but we're seeing that to create like, to create higher engagement, um, you know, a lot of, uh, a lot, a lot of the newer focus is going on, um, audio and, and music. And we'll see that push uh, even harder with, um, um, AR games and VR games where, um, you're completely surrounded and immersed in experience. Yeah. Because in, in, in the world we're living in outside of, you know, the, the, the imagined and created world the film or whatever we have we have sound effects all the time <laughs> you know uh my cat is snoring in the, on right. the couch here in my office and i I'll, I'll pick it up when i'm when i'm editing this and i won't take it out because she's part of my experience <laughs> and therefore yours but i i guess what i'm getting at is that uh we humans crave uh a full uh, accounting of our environment at any moment we arrive in it. We, I think there's a real need, you know, partly for our survival, you know, part of our brain stems going, you hear any t- tigers growling over there in the, in the bushes. Uh, but beyond that, there's a, I can feel this need to co- more fully appreciate the moment we're in, in terms of the, all the effects. And this takes us to a word you used a couple of times earlier on, money and that is uh experiencing the emotion the the feeling that music helps us do but having that be interacting the music interacting with our feelings so we provide the feelings as the individual listener or uh, don't we i mean there are feelings ultimately that you're you're reaching into and then sort of uh in training (laughs) you know the music's feelings our feelings and that's when you get that effect that you mentioned earlier from the runner with with kelly's uh, uh approach to uh, use of your your product yeah and, and i'm glad you mentioned feelings because i think I, I mean this is a personal belief but i i find that all or a lot of the music recommendation systems right now uh, work on the basis of what you're feeling right now Mm-hmm. Um, so, so they will say, okay, this is a play, this is a sad playlist. This is a happy playlist. This is a morning playlist, or, you know, this is a playlist for when you're chilling with friends or whatever. Mm-hmm. But I, I, I wonder if, you know, music recommendation systems should be more on what is the kind of feeling I want to create, yes. um, which gives the control to the user. Yes. And that's, that's what good storytellers do. A good, um, a good film producer, a good games producer, they, they try to capture what is the feeling I want the player to experience. Mm-hmm. And, and that's where I think, um, you know, audio, audio plays a huge role um, in, in, in helping create that emotion. I get it. I'm watching the clock and I don't want to do this for at least the rest of the day, but I can't for the sake of the length of the podcast. But I do want to uh, now tie what you've just said and everything you've said before into the human way of learning 
is there a possibility that there's some connection between what you've done and doing and in, in this case using music to enhance the chance that someone's going to learn more fully and have that learning stick more firmly because you've helped them uh, entrain these emotions with something called music. I think everybody learns things differently. Yes. Um, everybody in, absorbs information a little bit differently. Mm -hmm. um, I think a lot of potentially regulating emotions can be achieved with music. And, and so that, that might be another, another use case or an approach. I know there is a, there's some research happening into how to use music to, to sort of like respond to emotions um, and, and help control or, or like, yeah, modulate emotions. That's kind of interesting. And, but I don't know, in, in, in terms of, it's the, I mean, in, in similar to our fitness case, it's the getting in the zone part and the zone find, yes. that, find that like being able to isolate um, and disconnect from everything else happening around you and focusing on that, on that experience. Um, audio helps a lot. Music helps a lot. And that's exactly what, you know, we teachers strive for. And in one way or another, depending on, not even depending on the age of people we're working with, we, we crave from our standpoint, being able to create circumstances within which the learner can be in the zone but in that case they're they're getting it the lights are lighting in their in their eyes they're they don't want uh the bell to ring and end the class because they're finally feeling that feeling which does if if <laughs> if there's at least some subliminal music that we could be uh, play having play into yeah. the uh, the, they, they could extend that zone longer. And you know, I certainly am not expert in the research on learning, but my guess is that the longer any of us uh, can stay in that moment of high performance learning, that will stick with us and we'll be able to use it much sooner. Uh, or eventually, if it'll come out in the circumstances we're facing and we go, oh, yeah, I remember that. And I spent my whole career, as did Peter Vale, creating these exercises, we called them, for within our management and leadership classes, where, where students could feel, even for 15 minutes, that the high of puzzle solving or uh, seeing you know, the other side of a case and going, wow, uh, how come we didn't, how would we miss that? So uh, I'm capitalizing on your patience to, to talk uh, my own field, but I'm just wondering as we're concluding at this point, is it the future that we could also um, see this for ways of enhancing learning? I think it's quite possible because it ties into um, this interesting concept of anticipation and reward. Yes. Um, and a good storytelling, a good story, a good movie, a good game does this very well. They would create some tension, increase your anticipation, and then reward you. Like if a game level is too hard, you will give up and not come back to it. So it just needs to be the right amount of hard. Um, mm -hmm. It's the same thing in music. Your brain rewards you if you're able to predict the 
you know, the beat pattern. Um, and that's why choruses get repeated. Uh, like a DJ will do a build up and create a drop. Um, yeah. And your brain will reward you for like knowing that the drop was coming and now it's there. And sometimes, <laughs> sometimes the DJ will play around and they will extend, you know, the build up and your brain will get, you know, doubly excited. <laughs> uh, but you do it too. You, if you do it too much, and the reward doesn't come, then you're quite disappointed. Yeah, I think the same pattern you can throw be your, to you learn. Your, you throw your red cup at the, at the DJ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I don't want to make fun of it, but you're right on to the point. Exactly the point. And I think, and I think that can be applied to learning too, right? The the you, you come up to a new challenge, um, and then you you expect some outcome. Um, but you want to make sure that um, that that there's a reward, or whether it's like a, an actual physical reward or, or whatever, um, is mm -hmm. is there. And I think this continuous anticipation, build up, reward, anticipation, build up, reward mechanism is um, is an interesting learning um, methodology to explore. It is. It is. Uh, why don't you and I start another company, and we'll. we'll... <laughs> we'll, we'll make that happen in a world. No, no, you stay with your colleagues and weave. It's a terrific experience. You're having a great sounding company who's out there and you're not on the raft Contiki. <laughs> you're, you're, you're already in a very secure uh, tugboat. How's that? <laughs> and uh, the ocean liner is ahead. So um, have I tortured enough analogies here to say before <laughs> you don't want to hang up on me before I say goodbye? <laughs> no, I think I think the the ocean is fast and deep. Um, we're we're currently you know fundraising for a, to build a bigger ship. Mm -hmm. um, so if any of your listeners um, are interested in our music technology or to partner with um, um, or to you know help us with our next funding round. That that'll be an exciting conversation. Would love to have. You go to uh, weave weave.io w e a v dot i o, and you left out the e. I got to know why before we end before we end this conversation. W e a v. Oh, you left an e yeah. in there. There w e a v. There's no second e at the end. Oh. Is that because of sort of like an international pronunciation spelling, or is that uh, a gimmick? <laughs> it, it's 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 a gimmick, but it's also a four-letter word um, oh. and a short a shorter domain. And um, we we have our own music format and music format extension, or like digital format extension are usually three or four letters, so it kind of fits it well um, well there as well. Very smart. Very smart. Well. Well, my name is DAV. <laughs> no, dude, we get this confusion a lot. I love it though. See, you see, that's a, that's a nice hook, isn't it? Though, I mean, people have to ask you, like I just did. Well, where's the E? And then you have a yeah. great conversation about this this emerging startup company, and you want friends, you want investors, you want attention. And uh, I will say, in in that regard, again, before we we stop the the recording, that one reason I got to know about you, and now I'm happy to know you, is Lizzie Freudman, who is uh, helping your firm get attention. Is that not so? Yeah. So Lizzie's been helping us. Um for almost six months, a little bit longer even. 
with our like online presence and reaching some of our local partners in mm -hmm. New Orleans and some artists out in New Orleans to onboard onto our platform. Um, it's them, super exciting. Really? Yeah, Lizzie is, was in my podcast twice now, and now you're going to be in it. And perhaps we'll come back uh, and uh, as you signal another accomplishment, or even if you don't, and we'll continue our conversation. Is that okay with you, Money? I'm definitely happy to, yeah. Um, we'll see if we get a, get on a bigger boat and tell the story. <laughs> well, you've been listening to Manisran, 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 Mansimran, Mansimran, Singh. There we go. And David Furan butchering that name. <laughs> but it's been fun. And thank you again. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Practice Podcast, where we discuss practice with a capital P. If you'd like to hear more, listen in on Spotify, Automatic, and Apple Podcasts, or go to inactionresearch.com slash podcast dash page. And if you'd like to learn more about social inaction and the nature of practice, head over to inactionresearch.com for more information. Thank you for supporting this show. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Oh, and, and one more thing. How could I forget? The book, On Practice as a Way of Being, is available now in digital form, something that would be new, like podcasting to many of us. And it's a, a great way of learning more and more about what this podcast presented when Peter Vale and I originated it several years ago. So please come to www.mylibrary, one word, dot world slash practice, and you'll see what I mean. Thank you. <laughs>